Our message this morning comes to us from our first reading from the prophet Isaiah and the gospel text just read from St. Matthew, the second chapter. So this is the weekend when we take it all down. All the decorations, the garlands, the wreath, the Christmas tree, all of it packed up, stowed away until next December. Tomorrow, January 6th, is the actual day of Epiphany, but we observe it this weekend. So guess what? It's still Christmas. I enjoy keeping our decorations up, all those festive things for just about as long as is reasonably possible. We're going to be taking our stuff down at home as well, our tree, everything, all that stuff. But I like to keep it up. The tree reminding us of that gift of life that God has given us in his son. And then, you know, among other things, reminding us that that Christmas season continues. It's not just one day. Even though most of the rest of the world around us might have moved on come December 26th, we get 12 days of Christmas. Has anybody been out to the store, though, seen all the Valentine's Day stuff up? It's too soon, people. It's too soon. But there we have it. And out of all those Christmas decorations, all these things that have beautified not just our sanctuary but our homes, probably the thing that I will miss most once it is stowed away are the lights, the lights of Christmas. At home, we've got lights strung along the roof line of our house, and I tell you, it makes a real difference when you get home and see that all lit up. I'm going to miss it. In part, those Christmas lights, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere where Christmas comes at the darkest time of the year, those lights make a difference. Once they're all packed away, well, it's going to seem that much darker at night, inside and outside. Well, it might not be so bad if we could actually look up and see the night sky. In urban areas like ours, you're going to have to, well, take your chances. Even if the sky is cloud-free, just to look up, you're probably only going to see a small percentage of those stars that blanket the heavens. Due to light pollution, photo pollution, whichever term you want to use, the presence of man-made light, artificial light in the night environment, you're probably going to have to drive an hour or two away from here to be able to go up and see the, the, the true effects of the night sky, seeing the Milky Way shining down upon us. The reason you can't is something called sky glow. Sky glow is that sort of glowing dome you'll see in the night sky around big urban areas like ours. It's the effect of all the buildings, streetlights, cars, all those lights shining up and reflecting after bouncing around in the atmosphere, coming back down to the earth. So putting it another way, there's so much going on, we can't see through the haze. And life can be like that too. It's not just light pollution that keeps us from seeing clearly. We have overcrowded schedules. We have a 24-7 news cycle, social media updates. We have work, familial, social responsibilities and obligations, all these things building up into a thick cloudiness, a muddle that keeps you from seeing life beyond what's right there in front of you. 
And even with all that light pollution in our region, though, certain heavenly bodies still break through the sky glow to light up our world. How much difference does a bright moon make on a dark night? If you're driving along with your headlamps, your street lights, all those things might not make that much of a difference to you, but if you didn't have those things, if you're trying to find your way through the dark, well, the bright moon makes all the difference. And think about the moon. It doesn't make the light. That's the sun's job. The moon is reflecting the sun's light, illuminating our dark nights. The light breaks through. That's why this day and this whole season of Epiphany is important. That's what they're all about. Today we remember that visit of the Magi to see the true King of the Jews. They'd seen a star in the sky, the star that marked his birth. They journeyed from afar to show reverence to him. But Epiphany isn't so much about the Magi as it is about the light that's breaking through, the sun that is shining through the thick cloudiness of our broken world. God has sent the Savior promised. The glory of the Lord dawns upon the whole of the human race. That word of prophecy that we heard from Isaiah in our first reading, it pointed ahead to that day of dawning. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is the encouraging urging that God gives to his city of Zion. God's people are redeemed. They're rescued from being lost in darkness. They have reason to arise and shine because the Lord's Messiah has come. The Christ is born. For the people that God has made to be his own then and now alike. God's call through Isaiah still rings in our ears today. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light of Christ has dawned. It is now shining on you, his people. His light can and does cut through the muddled, hazy cloudiness of this world. Jesus has already overcome everything that would keep you from seeing life beyond that which is right there in front of you. Because of him, you do not need to wander through the darkness trying to find your own way. He's here for you. The light breaks through. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The light of Christ continues to break through everything that would keep people from seeing God's love through his Son. And that breaking through of the light, that happens through you. The light of God's grace 
shines on to you. It brings you life. It brings you rescue from the darkness of death that would swallow you up. That child born in Bethlehem would go to the cross at Calvary so that you would be delivered from death. But Jesus didn't come into our world simply to see to it that you would be forgiven. Jesus came also so that you would be illuminated. Like the moon lighting up a dark night, you reflect the light of God's grace into the world. His light for your life. His light for the cloudy world around you. And when God says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, that same declarative word of power that once said, let there be light, is at work. God makes the shining happen. The Holy Spirit illuminates you as a baptized child of your Heavenly Father, as a brother or sister of the Son. As you follow Jesus, you reflect his dawning out into the darkness. You are a part of Zion. You are a part of his holy city, pointing all all people to the King for all nations. You are a beacon God draws souls to Bethlehem so that they might experience his salvation. Now the Magi, they went seeking a great king. They didn't find him in Jerusalem where Herod lived in his palace. When he heard their message, as Matthew tells us, Herod was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Now Herod was famously jealous of his power. In order to help guard it, he murdered one of his wives, at least a couple of his sons, other relatives. No wonder then that Jerusalem was afraid, his citizens fearing what might happen. What would he do if this promised king had finally come to challenge his authority? But God wasn't sending a king like Herod. He wasn't sending a king that Herod or anyone else for that matter was expecting. And what's more, none of them would have found this king without divine intervention. As we see throughout this episode of the Magi's visit, it's God who does the revealing time and time again. The Magi, they weren't particularly wise people, really. In fact, they were some of the most unlikely candidates for coming to see the promised Messiah. They were outsiders. They went to Jerusalem, the place where the king of the Jews should have been. It was God's word that redirected them, that pointed them to Bethlehem. It was God's star that he sent that guided them to the house where they would find Jesus. And while they would have dutifully gone back to Herod and reported what they had seen, God illuminated their way yet again and turned them around, sending them home in a different direction. This is a little bit of an aside since people ask about this. Those gifts that the Magi brought, well, they were expensive. They were fit for a king, but they weren't uncommon for honoring royalty. They're simply gifts. And over the years, the church 
has come to see the gifts, though, as reminders of the kind of king that Jesus was born to be. Gold as a sign of his royal authority. Frankincense, the incense that was used, offered at times of prayer in the tabernacle and the temple, pointing to this king's divine identity. And myrrh, that final gift named, looking ahead to Jesus' sacrificial gift of his life, his death and burial. But the light breaks through. Epiphany, it remembers and celebrates that Jesus came for all people, not just the insiders, not just the people who would know where to go and look. He came for the people who didn't know where to look. Through this new season of Epiphany, we're going to explore some specific examples of how God is at work to reveal his grace in Christ time and time again. God leads the way through uncertainty, through the hazy cloudiness of life. Look to his light and see clearly. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This epiphany, will you hide your face or will you arise and shine forth? Your king is here. The light breaks through. May you be illuminated by Jesus' love and reflect his grace into the lives of everyone around you. Amen.